Hello, lovelies. Well, I am still waiting on my big brain peeps <laughs> to help me finish up the all the crazy alignment series. So I'm going to move on to a discovery I made along the way when interviewing people about magic and how you can give yourself a better chance at actually making it work. You might have caught wind of it a bit as I do address it in areas in episode two and episode three, I think, mental sex, yes. But what was told to me repeatedly by the people that I interviewed was that if you want to do magic and be a success at it, then inner work is essential. Last week, in fact, John Siraki, who is going to be in season four, and maybe a new episode of season three that Chance might be working on. I don't know. We'll see if it's going to happen. But anyway, <laughs> he spoke about the idea of a guy living in his mum's basement and trying to do magic or conjure entities or something to get him some supermodels. And those entities actually told him, nah, you got to do some work first, mate. And... <laughs> And to echo that, John also made the point is magic is not exactly what we see on TV. It's not click your heels or snap your fingers or I dream of genie it into existence, right? It's not what we see in the movies. It's not what we have been led really to believe it is. I hoped it was, right? <laughs> but anyway, since expanding my understanding, I now see magic and the potential of magic all around me. In fact, I'm starting to feel like an ancient Egyptian. So when I started this project, I wanted to interview as many different kinds of magicians as I could. I wanted to cover as many styles of magic as I could. I thought also it might be best to talk to those who demonstrated some success at magic, which in itself took me a while to figure out that material gain is only one measure of success when it comes to magic. And really, it's not even the penultimate measure of success, despite what we've been primed to think about it or what success is in our culture, right? But stating that, the person that I'm introducing you to next seemed to have achieved success in most of the realms we've been talking about. So last year, I interviewed Shauna Holm, a most remarkable woman who is a bangri. Oh, don't know how you say it. Anyway, it's Gaelic for shaman woman, right? And um, she has actually apprenticed herself to the mushroom and as a result has learned all kinds of crazy things. She is, for lack of a better word, a master manifester. No joke, right? Forget all those, learn how to manifest your dreams with sex magic for only $99 BS, right? Shana went from literally zero, zero place to live, zero money to spend, lit two, <laughs> two, living on an island in a gorgeous cottage full of free antique furniture with an actual labyrinth. I kid you not, right? I'm super jealous. And she's also one of the most authentic, virtuous, and intelligent people I've ever met. I adore her. 
So one of the most remarkable things about Shauna is that she channels these beings. These beings speak through Shauna in poetry, lyrically, and with a cheeky sense of humor. (laughs) Now, I've heard these recordings of these channelings, and I can tell you, I don't know anyone who could make this stuff up on the fly. There's so much authenticity, wisdom, so much humor. So my vote goes 100% that this is legit. And as I said, her manifestations speak for themselves. So I am all in with Shauna. Now I bring her up because in chatting with Shauna about to be how successful with magic and to be honest, simply be functional in this world of ours, we agreed that one must take a proactive approach to, let's say, getting the bats out of the belfry. We need to work on ourselves to remove beliefs, limitations, and restrictions that do not serve us. In episode three, I talked about mental sex and the idea that if you do not plant seeds in your own mind field, others will certainly take advantage of that fertile ground and grow within you the seeds of their choice, which may or may not be fruitful. (laughs) To stick with the analogy, right? But also sometimes seeds get sown when we are very young, before we have the chance to become discerning. Even the very best childhood can leave us with some wounds and some adaptations that can affect how we are in the world and what we can create in the world. In talking with Shauna, she made it very clear to me that one of the most important things you can do to take charge of your creative process, your magic, is to get your mind right. In fact, here comes a little excerpt from our interview that had me in stitches, and I think it's really relatable. And here she's talking about the beings she calls the mushroom teachers. So then how does one go about making one's mind right? Well, I can tell you that I have pretty much worked on mine my whole life. And just when I think it is right, a boom, I find another layer of the onion to peel. I really think, I really think I won't be done until I'm dead. However, the good news (laughs) is that every layer that we do peel away makes everything easier. Real life, magic life. And one reason is, and we haven't got to this yet, but it has to do with energy, because the more free your mind is, the more energy you have to use towards your magic, limiting beliefs and all that other stuff aside, right? You need energy to do magic. And if you're not going around in circles in your head, you're going to have more energy. So today... I want to talk to you about one tool I was given about 20 years ago. And it's such an easy tool to explain, not necessarily that easy to do, but you will get it, right? And if you choose to try it, you might be as amazed as I was. So back when I first met Chance about 20 years ago, We were introduced to a gentleman by the name of Dr. John Demartini. You might know him from The Secret. He was in The Secret. 
I ended up doing a lot of work with him, spending a lot of time with him, traveling with him, in fact, and doing several of his courses. He is indeed a character, but I also greatly benefited from our association, particularly in terms of getting my mind right. Specifically, (laughs) I used to get triggered if called a name or accused of anything that was an indication that I was not a good girl, right? (laughs) Now, you might not believe this, but I was pathologically goody-goody growing up. And as a young woman, any accusation about me being less than perfect sent me into a tizzy and my cheeks went red and my words got stuck and I'd spend hours upset and defending myself in the head. I always had a great comeback 24 hours later, let me tell you. But just think about the energy that I lost going round and round in circles. It was enormous. And to be honest, the idea that I was a perfect young woman was in itself ridiculous at the time. Despite my beliefs that I was, I did do some pretty crummy things. And if I did not hold that belief that I was a goody-goody, right? Then I might not have had to do the crummy things that I did as I would have had stronger boundaries, for example, or have been more clear negotiating the situation in the first place. So how did I fix this? How did I get my mind right around the idea of being a perfect young woman? Well, Dr. D, at the beginning of his weekend workshops, simply handed out a list of all applicable nouns and adjectives in the dictionary. Things that could be used to describe a person, right? So both good and bad things. Because you see, we can all have negative beliefs about ourselves as well that are not true and do not serve us. And Dr. D calls this self-wrongous in contrast with being self-righteous, which... I I guess I was describing that I was, but I was both, right? (laughs) And he instructed us to sit there with these words until we could own every single one of them. Every single one. Now, of course, I could own being kind, being generous, being sweet, being cute and all that stuff, right? No problem at all. But it got a lot harder when it came to being greedy, mean, or a murderer, for example. But in sitting there and really thinking deeply about it, I was able to find places where I was greedy and mean and a murderer. I was mean to my little brother. I was greedy about having the best clothes and I killed insects. And even though that might seem like a stupid example, I was a murderer of insects, taking time to find that I was, in fact, in part and in ways, all of these things removed from me the charge that came with accusation. After this exercise, Anyone could call me anything. And I was like, okay, I am. I found it. I've owned it. And to be honest, I might just say, okay, and have to think about it later. But because I'd already been through this process, I was pretty confident after doing such a long list that I could find it. I remember one time (laughs) 
My ex-husband's girlfriend called me trashy. <laughs> and I hadn't done that one. That one wasn't on the list. And instead of being offended, I laughed because A, I'm sure I am trashy, but it was like the last thing I thought somebody would call me. And I thought it was really creative. And I knew that if I looked hard enough, right, I'd find that I was trashy. But it wasn't exactly like the um, reaction she was looking for. It did not go down so well. I can tell you that much. Oh, no. Anyway, there was really only one thing I could not find in this whole list that Dr. D gave us. So I wonder if you can guess what it might be. In fact, just to make it fun, if you guess correctly and you're the first person who guesses correctly, then I'll give you a series of Magical Egypt as a gift. But you have to be the first one and you have to guess right. Okay. Now, <laughs> of course, about 15 years later, I actually found this one too. And that is a story unto itself, I must say. But the point is, is that going to the trouble of finding all of these things, the good and the bad, and owning them made me a lot harder to trigger, a lot more calm in the face of arguments, and it leaves me with a lot more energy to use in real life and in magical life. And I honestly think it might be a skill that is more important than ever. So lovelies, I am Venice, and I am wonderful. I am horrible and I am everything in between. And I hope that you are too more soon. Hello, lovelies. I am so excited to announce the release of our new film called Hekka. Heka looks at the magic of ancient Egypt and how that pertains to the story of ancient Egypt and fills in a whole new perspective that we have been missing collectively for hundreds of years. It features Gordon White, Chance Gardner, Joseph Patrick Farrell, Lon Milo Duquette, Tobias Churton, Graham Hancock, of course, the fabulous John Anthony West, Rupert Sheldrake, Stephen Skinner, Thomas Sheridan, Peter Mark Adams, Thomas Joseph Brown, Aton Veggie, Mog Morton, Bernardo Catstrop, Shauna Holm, Mark Passio, John Zaraki, and the goddess Joanna Kujawa. I am so incredibly proud of it, and I invite you to come and have a look. You can find a link on MagicalEgypt.com.
Yeah.